Internet, what is up? So let's get after it and let's start with the business part of this, which, you know what? I'm going to do an ad read for a company because I had a really, really great experience with them today. So this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Goal Zero. And it's completely unsanctioned by them. They don't probably don't even know that I'm doing this. But I want you guys to know about Goal Zero. Who are they? They are a company that handles uh, power, portable power, portable power systems. Okay, they've got all kinds of cool little battery banks. They've got solar power. They've got all kinds of stuff. And they've got it, the broad spectrum of just uh, individual devices that can power your phone and recharge your phone. And they've got battery banks that will power your house in the event of a power outage. But they were a fantastic company that I had a great interaction with recently. And they they started in their company in 2008. Here they are in 2023. And uh, they're a local company. I didn't even realize it. I mean, I was in the market to buy a power bank. And so I went out to do my research on that. Of course, I've got all my friends in the overlanding space. I looked at everything that everybody was kind of doing. I had a Goal Zero that I bought, um, the Sherpa 100 AC which I think they did a new version of that. And that thing has been fantastic. It's been a lifesaver for Cato and I on a couple of occasions where we ran the cameras down and needed cameras and cell phones and needed charged. And it was great for that. So I also, in our AER, after action review, for those of you who are not inclined with my military speak, we had a, a good AER from the show where, you know, I'm a fucking total noob at this overlanding thing. Like I'm a backpacking ninja, throw a ruck on me and give me a fucking MRE and I'll walk for days and be completely fine. I'll wrap up in my little ranger roll, sleep on the ground. Be great. Great at that. Uh, great at backcountry hunting out of a backpack and do all that. But I'm like a noob at this like new thing of overlanding, you know, like living off of your vehicle. I did it a little bit during COVID, you know, I did it for a while and I sucked it up and got by with what I had and it was great. But going to Overland Expo and hanging out with my good friends at Team Overland, which shout out to Team Overland. If you don't know who they are, okay, that you're about to because Matt Havner, the founder of Team Overland is about to come back on the podcast. We did a great interview with him. They hosted us out there. Shout out to all the Team Overland guys. Okay. Sam, Cody, Quint, I'm terrible with names, so I'm going to forget a bunch, but we had a great time. We had a fucking fantastic time with those guys and they, everybody had their cool setups going and everybody had their power setups going and everybody's rocking these, you know, power banks. And I got a good idea. Like I looked at Jackery's, I look at the eco flows, but I've just always had really good luck with my, and really liked the kind of the brand position and the aesthetic and the functionality and the power outputs kind of at the top of the game for, uh, size to weight ratio and what you're getting for power output for from goal, goal zero. So I decided to go all in on a, um, I think it's the Nomad 1000X power bank. So I like went, I got online and I was getting ready to buy it and it said pickup. You could order it online and then you ship it to you or you could come pick it up. And I was like, wait a second. So I hit the contact button and lo and behold, they're 15 minutes south of me. Wild, had no clue. So got in my truck, went down there today, had a fantastic customer service experience. First of all, they have a beautiful headquarters and uh, the showroom was cool. I went in there. I got taken care of by James. Shout out to James. Great dude. Very knowledgeable. He spent like 40 minutes to an hour just like going through the whole product suite with me, answering all my questions. Very knowledgeable dude. Definitely on his game. So great job to him. And then I got kicked over to Gina in the warehouse in order fulfillment at Will Call. 
And Gina and her team were fantastic and filled my order in like 15 minutes and got me on my way. And everybody was smiles. Everybody was polite. Everybody was professional. The customer service was a fucking triple A plus. So shout out to Gold Zero. If you were in the market for a power bank uh, because you are doing similar stuff, you need electronics powered because you're a digital creator or you are getting into the overlanding thing, you want to have a power bank to run your Traeger grill off the tailgate of your truck and watch Netflix uh, at nighttime, or you want to uh, go off grid and build yourself a little cabin and power that uh, off grid with the power bank and a solar setup, like they're your go-to people. Go check out Goal Zero. They're on Instagram and Facebook and at, uh, I think, GoalZero.com. So go check them out. Awesome company. Can't say enough good things. Really excited. As a matter of fact, I am got this thing on its maiden voyage and it is powering. I pulled it out of the box and it had like 38% life in it. And I plugged in my whole light setup, my camera setup, my laptop, my monitor, my microphone, my H6 recorder, all my stuff's plugged in right now. And it can power all of that for the next 2.8 hours. So I'm psyched on this thing. Like this is going to be a good piece of gear for me because at, you know, 38% full and it'll still run my desk podcasting ninja setup here for roughly nearly three more hours, full three hours, which we're not going to be on here for three hours. So it's going to accomplish what I need to do for this, for this go around. So, all right. Ran my mouth long enough. Go check out goal zero. They're fucking awesome. And with that, let's fucking G O. Things are getting tougher when you can't get the top off the bottom of the barrel. Wide open, roar my future now. Look at fucking now. All right. Hello. Again. Hello. Hello again. Hello again. Internet, what is up? We are at my all-time favorite barber shop in the entire world. That's a good whiskey sour. Thank you for that. You're most welcome. Do you have like a special deal with the like at the bar? Like, do you get free drinks? Do you get discount drinks? Like, how does it how does it work next door? I get the homie hookup. You do get the homie hookup. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's how that works. So, Barclay Hill with the talented Trevor Hill. Now we are. In a do, we're doing we're in a do over. This is a do over. Yes. This is a do over. Yes. This is a hundred percent a do over. Because podcast. we we got really really twisted last time we tried to do this. We hadn't seen each other for a while, so we had to uh, build back. I that mean, lost time of you know not having drinks or we did. We out, yeah. we got fucking crazy. We got crazy. We got to the point where like I it. I just went to review, like I re- did a little review and then like Cato and I like sat and listened to it for a bit. And I was like, we can't use any of this because we're slurring and because every other word is fuck. And because we were so drunk that we got a little bit, we got way out in the weeds with like random, sh- like the, the conversation just got to a point where I was like listening to it and I was like, it was very entertaining, but I was like, this is not coherent for my there audience. was no flow to it no well there was no flow and it was just like random it was like yeah bro ieds anyway fucking uh dark matter <laughs> and then like one hour of just COVID what is talk. what is dark matter yeah and then like <laughs> lots of coherent 
Yeah, I mean, we it was right in the midst of COVID, wasn't it? Is mm-hmm. it the very was it the beginning of COVID or the beginning? Or was it or I mean the beginning or the middle of COVID? It might have been. I don't know. Did we do it in 2020? I think we did. Like I the think, summer of 2020. I think it, yeah, I think it was at the very beginning. Oh of, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, because that's when I put it in the fire pit. Yeah, create. Yeah, that's when that was happening. Yeah, we did it in the fire pit in your backyard. If we had not been as drunk as we were, I think it would have turned out to be a good podcast. But the fact that we were, we were, we definitely got twisted. So that's, that's a that's a great way of putting it. And we got we just continued to drink through the podcast too. So like it was not. So we're like on drink dose right now. So I feel like this will be a good podcast. But we were not. We we're not. We didn't put out a good product last time. No, not at all. How are you doing with the camera on you? Are you gonna be are you gonna be okay? I'm good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you that are gonna be able to see this mainly on Patreon, if you haven't signed up for Patreon, you should stop fucking up in life and go sign up for Patreon because it's the only place you're gonna be able to see the full length video. All my interviews, full length video interviews are exclusively on Patreon. So go over there and sign up because you're gonna be pay- you're gonna pay for your media one way or another. What do you think of that? What do you think of like the era of like paying for your media has finally arrived with the blue check mark of fucking doucheness of fucking Instagram? I mean, if you think that highly of yourself to where you need a blue check mark so people know this is this person, they've been verified. Like verified for what? For you to right. post pictures of your grandma? Correct. And your ugly child. Or like I was talking about on the uh, on the podcast that we just dropped was uh, how how we've got all of these like I was talking about the like the new trend of dad talks and like how there's like these like twenty one to twenty eight year old fucking Gen Z fucking retards that you know like their parents are fucking bajillionaires and they grew up in Malibu and they're like talking to people about spirituality and the value of like overcoming hardship and adversity in their lives and how they should, you know, they're just basically dad talking people and from a position of like, they shouldn't be dad talking anybody. They should be like going out and actually maybe getting some fucking like dealing with adversity. Like because mommy and daddy sent you to fucking Ayurvedic fucking gypsy fucking yogi camp in fucking Goa, India for fucking three months. Or your senior trip down to Peru where you drank ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. And found yourself. Yeah, did you, if you drank ayahuasca once and you're coming back and trying to fucking like convince people to maybe like live a better, more fulfilled life, like you should probably get some more reps in. I mean, I've done it 16 fucking times and I, I still feel like a novice as fuck about it. Like I, like I know like one of my homies at Heroic Hearts is like, he's, he's like 120 ceremonies deep. He's a fucking Yoda. Shout out to Jared. Love you, Jared. So, like, yeah. I just... I, I, I went on a good, solid rant in the Weapons Free Wednesday that we released today, I think. That went up this morning, I think. Well, I mean, the good thing about paying for it, at least, you know, if people are paying for it, maybe they will put out quality content and, you know give something of worth rather than maybe get rid of the keyboard warriors out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the, I mean, you're, you're paying, you're just, we were, you're definitely in the, in the era of like, finally content's no longer free. Like the blue check mark costs 15 bucks a month. 
And the th- a good thing about it, because now you're paying a subscription fee, they actually have to provide you customer service. So you get a fucking rep. So like if they fuck your account or flag you on something, like you can get a hold of your rep and be like, what the fuck is this? Oh, I would love that for Instagram. Instagram took my ability away to be able to boost posts or even advertise on Instagram purely because I had a photograph of the barbershop. Nothing offensive, no offensive hashtags, nothing offensive written, but the Betsy Ross flag was in the background and someone flagged the post. And apparently I went against community guidelines by having a the original American flag in the background. And now I'm... It's impossible for me to get a hold of Instagram. That's because that's racist. anything. That's racist, bro. The wokest, the wokest cunt fucking goddamn mafia, the progressive fucking wokists that work at Instagram were like, oh, that's, that's racist because we had slavery in that era. And that represents fucking oppression of black people is what that, that represents. How yeah. dare, how dare you? I know. How fucking <laughs> dare you? Whoops. How dare you be proud of your lineage and your history that really has nothing to do with newsflash Instagram. We also fucking freed fucking slaves like a decade later or no, not a decade, a century, a century later, a century later, we fucking freed slaves. So, but it's still a bad flag. I know it's still fucking evil. It's evil. Do you know what the the have you seen the do you know what the flag is the the predecessor to that have you seen that isn't it Gatson flag I think it's called the Gatson flag it's also called the Cambridge flag too that's got the stripes but then it's got the fucking UK flag in the fucking on the upper it doesn't have like the blue star I've seen it but I'm not familiar with it yeah it's yeah it's a pretty cool flag I was like wow I didn't know. I was like doing some research on some stuff and I found, I found it and I was like, holy shit. And then like they talked, that was the flag that predated that. I heard the first Marine Corps flag was the Gatson flag. Hmm. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. But the Gatson flag, is that the, the don't tread on me? That's the don't tread on me. Yeah. Yeah. No. So the Cambridge flag is stripes, white, red and white stripes, but then it's got the UK flag in the upper, like where the fucking stars are so they started with that one that was the first flag and then they were like nope we don't want this anymore we want to get rid of anything that has to do with england so then they were like cool and then that's when betsy ross fucking made the that flag right there so learning something new every day yeah 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 it's called the cambridge flag yeah so here we are in beautiful meridian idaho in your amazing the vibe in here is great i love the fucking vibe in here in your amazing barbershop so let's go back in time first of all people need to yeah let's go back in time people need to know how you and i fucking came to know each other well this is the part where you start talking well i was i was working in the battalion s1 shop and you were always over in the s2 with the state platoon. Mm-hmm. So that's where I initially met you. And then I think there was one time I was a Lance Corporal and I was on barracks duty. And you guys, what floor were you guys on? You guys were like on the third or fourth mm-hmm. floor. We were on the third deck, yeah. And I remember walking around and you guys had like airsoft guns or pellet guns. 
Mm-hmm. We're shooting. And you were shooting. And I was like, these guys are all like corporals and sergeants. I can't exactly tell them what not to do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we gave zero fucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. And then uh, just remember getting to know you from there and then just around the battalion. And then like the the one moment that stuck out the most was when we were all at Bridgeport. Oh, the fight. The fight. The notorious fucking bar fight. Yeah, where I was sitting with all of you guys, and what I think there was a combat engineer battalion that was up there going through the same package that we were, Mm -hmm. and they opened up the last evening, they opened up the NCO club, Yeah, and we all went in there and were drinking beers, and I was sitting at the table with you, and uh, what was the the one-eyed sniper guy who lost his eye in Iraq? Oh fuck! Because Zarnik was there, yeah. you were there. Um, forget a few of the other guys' names. Shep, Cassidy, Ong, yeah, Ong, yeah, it was Ong. And uh, I just remember sitting there drinking beers, and some combat engineer turned and looked at you guys and said, "Scout snipers ain't shit." And that's how the whole fight got started. Yeah. Then next thing you know, we're all out in waist deep snow, throwing punches and having like two battalions of Marines fight each other. And then all of a sudden all the staff and COs and officers came down from the officer club. All fucking hell broke loose. And then as soon as I saw them come in, I was like, I'm out of here. So I ran back to the birthing area and put on my freaking PT gear and mm-hmm. climbed in my freaking sleeping bag. Pretend like nothing happened. Pretend like nothing wasn't, happened. Wasn't there. Where the uh, battalion commander, when Buell was coming through and Sergeant Major... What was that Sergeant Major's name? Who's your favorite person? Uh, that would be Ed Sachs. Sachs. Who is, in fact, a flying cunt. Yeah, that was a great person. I am not a fan of that. So, yeah, so they came through, and then, yeah, and then being over deployed and yeah. flugeted together. So Yeah. And then we didn't see each other until I, we were, I was down at uh, Outdoor Retail Expo, and I started talking to Kelsey because he's like, oh, my buddy's a Marine as well. And yeah. then I was like, holy shit, Bishop. And then hmm. from, yeah, 2013 on. Yeah, it was game on from there. Exactly. Yeah, old Ed Sachs. I fucking have a heavy disdain for that man. And didn't you, you were the one that sent me, like, didn't they do a reunion or something this year? They did, They had a. I think they did a reunion last summer. Yeah. But we didn't find out about it. Well, you sent me you sent me something, and you're like, "Oh, you're gonna go see your favorite fucking sergeant major or whatever it was." Like, you sent me something via. Didn't you send me something via like either? I think it was Instagram. You sent me via Instagram. I think it was Instagram. Yeah. 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 You sent me something via Instagram, and I checked it out, and it just I, I just find it absolutely disgusting that that man has never been called to the carpet for the fucking lies that he told and for the fucking well, shit he got that called, he did. Do you remember when we were all, when we got back from Fallujah and the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps came to visit? I don't And remember, he huh? dimed out Sachs. He's like, you guys all know what Sachs' real MOS is, right? I almost raised my hand because I knew what his MOS was. He was a cook. Yeah, he's a fucking cook. And then he was a Sergeant Major of an infantry battalion. Yeah. Yeah, he was a fucking cook. I mean... But that's part of my fucking argument of, like, what's wrong with the Marine Corps? And I've been saying this since I got the fuck out. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I got out. He's the main reason I got out. I mean, yes. Because I was going to reenlist, 
and I was slotted to go do the reconnaissance in Doc, and then they were redeploying to Haditha, mm-hmm. and since I was a senior NCO, he wanted me to extend to go on the next deployment, and I was like, no. His favorite hobby was fucking over Marines. Oh, him and Spangleberg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I almost fucking killed that cunt. Yeah. I'll get to that part in a second. So, so the, um, the, yeah, the reason that I dislike that man so much is because um, he, he went out of his way to fucking keep me from doing the things that I wanted to do with my career. And he got Spangenberg to like hide my fucking reenlistment package for months, which is why I almost beat him to death in his fucking office. Um, but the, uh, the main reason that I dislike him is because he, um, he, he went out of his way to fucking make sure that like, like I got written up for a bronze star with a V and he told the officer that wrote me up that I didn't rate that award and that I was a fucking shit bag in our battalion and that he needed to, uh, downgrade it to a NAM. And then if he didn't downgrade it to a NAM, he would go out of his way to make sure that I didn't get it. And in fact, he, Fucking had Spangenberg fucking shelve my reenlistment. Like, I put in a reenlistment package while we were in country because we were getting the tax-free reenlistment bonus. And and that was the first year that the infantry, first time that the infantry had ever been offered a bonus to reenlist. So everybody and their brother was like, fuck yeah, I'm reenlisting. Well, especially over in Iraq. Yeah. Because if you reenlisted over in Iraq, it was tax-free. Tax-free bonus. It was a tax-free bonus. And they were offering, I think, like 35 grand for fucking 0311s. So everybody was like, fuck yeah, I'm reenlisting. And so I put in my reenlistment package along with like all my other peers and guys were like swearing in and having their reenlistment ceremonies before we were like going back to the States after, you know, we were done in Fallujah. Um, and my reenlistment package never came, never came, never came. And then we got back and it was like, guys were still getting their reenlistment packages before me. And I'd literally submitted like months prior you know and i was like what the fuck's going on so i finally and there was a couple times where i stopped in spangenberg's office and if you can imagine if you can imagine a skinny fucking mousy little turd of a fucking staff sergeant that like is a total nerd that like wears these little like wire framed glasses and like gets a high and tight and fucking talks with a lisp and is a fucking idiot that was spangenberg and he was like our career planner and I don't know what he, he was just like a recruiter. What was our fucking, what was his MOS? What was he even doing in the battalion? Career planner. That's it. He's a fucking piece of shit. Anyway, total pussy. So finally I go into his office and I'm like, at this point I knew something was fucked because there was dudes that were like getting reenlisted. No problem. So I shut the door behind me. I walked in. I was like, Hey, staff sergeant, can I come in and talk to you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Devil dog. Come on in. I fucking go in, shut the door behind me. He like kind of like got his like eyeball. He like kind of sat back from his desk and his like eyes got a little bit big. Cause at this point I knew something was fucked and I just was like a mom. I was at this point, like the PTSD had started fucking pumping through my veins. And I was like, I turned into a monster and I fucking walked over to his desk and I sat on the edge of his desk and I was like, and I was a sergeant and my thought process was like, I'm probably fucked and I'm not like going to be able to reenlist. And I did not care. Like I gave zero fucks at this point after killing dudes fucking for six weeks straight and then coming home and like trying to reacclimate to home and then like having my reenlistment package completely mysteriously vanished. No devil dog. I haven't heard anything from headquarters Marine Corps on you. 
Like, and I had to ask him for like every month. Like, meanwhile, my friends like would put in a fucking package. Two weeks later, they're re-enlisting. No. And I'm like, something's fucked. Well, like when I was going over to the reconnaissance and Doc had that slotted up and uh, Sachs was uh, trying to get me to extend, he flat out told me in his office, if you don't extend, I will personally guarantee you that you will not get into reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll, I'll call the Sergeant Major right now. Yeah, he fucked me. And, like and, and make sure that you don't get in. Yeah. And then I told him, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get out. Because I had like, I think, six months left. Mm-hmm. So then I just left and went to regiment. Yeah, I did the it's same like, thing. So Peace. Yeah, he did the same thing to me. So he, he, uh, I go in the career planner's office and I'm fucking, I sit on that corner of his desk and I was like, hey, Staff Sergeant. And he just like, he, he immediately like slid back from his desk and he had this like, what the fuck are you doing? Like look on his face. And I was like, I'm going to give you one opportunity to tell me the truth right now. What's going on with my reenlistment package? And he was like, oh, you know, and he started to hesitate and lie to me. So I grabbed him. And you remember how, I don't know if you remember how his office was set up where like you walk into it and it's like desk. And then he had that filing cabinet behind the desk. Like that was like up against the wall right here. And then, so I like went over and sat on the corner's desk and he like started to lie to me again. And I just fucking grabbed him by his skivvy shirt and ripped it up from his blouse and like twisted it around his neck and shoved him against the fucking filing cabinet. And I was like, and then I got close to him and I was like, motherfucker. You're going to fucking tell me what the fuck is going on with my reenlistment package right the fuck now. And he's like, okay, devil dog, fucking calm the fuck down. Get the fuck off me. And he like pushed my, he pushed my hand off of him. And he's like, okay, okay. Fucking Sergeant Major told me that I had to fucking not submit your fucking reenlistment because if I did, I, he would not give me my orders to fucking go to uh, uh, Hawaii. He wanted to go to Hawaii with his I wife. I remember that, yeah. He's like, he's like, Sergeant Major fucking told me I can't, he's, he's going to block my orders if I didn't do this. And I was like, so you've been fucking sitting on my package this whole time. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, where the fuck is it? And he like opens the bottom drawer of his filing cabinet, lifts up a bunch of shit. He pulls my package out and sits it on the desk. Dude, I were, I would have requested mass. I did. I did. I requested mast. What and would Buell do? Buell was gone. It was when Chisani took over. Damn it. And here's what's fucking fucked about Chisani. So Chisani was a fucking moron and he was the S3 at regiment and I fucking, he was my reviewing officer on my combat fitness report because I was working directly for Colonel Shoup at the regiment during Fallujah because I was running the fucking partner force. So I had, a, I was fucking, I was holding a captain's billet running the fucking partner force in Fallujah. Like I had 300 Iraqis that I was maneuvering in the battle space attached to 3-5. So times. I just fucking, that's which is why I was yep. getting... I was an E5 holding a captain's billet. I had fucking like four or five fucking... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me think about this for a second. I had fucking four controls of air, dropped fucking bombs, had a fucking C-130 attached to me, maneuvered fucking 300 Iraqis in the battle space, killed all kinds of motherfuckers. I was setting up ambushes on the far side of the river, fucking killing dudes that were trying to come into the city. Fucking back cleared and mowed down a bunch of dudes that were in the fucking Jolan district. That it re-infiltrated the city. Gotten all kinds of fucking CQB shit. Killed all kinds of dudes. Had fucking... I was killing so many dudes with my fucking task force, my little partner force task force, that I was sending my sit reps on the regimental net and fucking soft units that were like monitoring our nets were fucking coming out and finding me. And they're like, hey, they were showing up at my position 
because I'd fucking strong pointed this like house on the fucking edge of the river. And they were coming out and they're like, hey, we're looking for hate breed. Call sign hate breed. I'm like, yeah, that's me. They're like, who's the OIC? I'm like, you're looking at him. And I'm like sitting out there with no rank on, fucking long ass hair, like fucking five o'clock shadow. Because I was just, it was me. And like three fucking Lance Corporals and 300 Iraqis. And fucking, we were just out on, I was like, I was kind of like the enlisted version of Colonel Kurtz in fucking Apocalypse Now. I was like, I was just, I'd gone rogue. <laughs> I fucking, and I was just, I was operating my, I was just operating my, I had my own chunk of the battle space in yeah. Fallujah. And so this captain came out and was like attached to us for like three weeks and like was fucking like, oh yeah, the regiment sent me out to just like monitor and make sure everything's okay. And he like watched me fucking attack strong points and like kill dudes and like take fucking so anyway take seals out seals were showing up at my position green berets were showing up at my position they'd hang out with us for like four or five days and then they'd fucking go back to they'd fuck off and go back to where they were from but i'd take them out and ambush dudes and i had all this i'd fucking had all this cool shit that i did and i think this is kind of probably the first time i've talked about it but the fucking um the uh so I had this great combat fitness report. Well, Chassani was the reviewing officer. And then he took over as our battalion commander when Buell left. And he wrote me this fucking beautiful, like this captain that came out and observed me, wanted to write me up for this bronze star. And when he submitted it to the battalion, fucking, uh, um, fucking Sachs got his hand on it and was like, nope. E five E fives. I saw I saw so many of those things. Yeah, come down. E fives E fives are not. They don't rate fucking. Meanwhile, that cunt and you know because you fucking probably saw it. He wrote himself up for a bronze star, didn't he? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, fucking Sachs got a bronze star, and I had people telling me across the battalion that were like at different companies and shit that like when him and Buell would roll up, Sachs was too big of a bitch to get out of the Humvee. Like, he was too scared. He would just stay in the Humvee, and Colonel Buell would, like, get out and fucking walk around, talk to the company commanders, go talk to the squad leaders, the platoon commanders, get back in the vehicle, go to the next company's position. Like, just guys padding their careers, man. Yeah. Well, because there was one time when, because uh, I was a part of the the PSD for the Civil Affairs mm -hmm. platoon that we had with us, yeah. and I had a lieutenant come and take my ACOG from me yeah because he was going out mm -hmm. and i'm like okay so then for two weeks i had iron sights that weren't sighted in mm -hmm. and someone took my freaking acog that was sighted in for me <clears throat> i just i laughed i had to go find gunner garcia and be like hey gunner uh this lieutenant took my acog from me is there any chance you can set up a range so i can get my rifle Sighted in. Did like, he did just cruise it? Oh, Gunnar Garcia was the best. He was awesome. Did he? What did he say about that situation? Oh, I don't remember the specifics, but <laughs> I know he wasn't happy about oh, it at all. He was probably pissed. He probably went and chewed that lieutenant's ass. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So, Sax was just a piece of shit. He tried to fucking fuck everybody's careers over. He was a cook. His claim to fame was he was a drill instructor, as most of those cunts are, and it's like. The biggest problem that I have with the fucking Marine Corps is that, and I've said this multiple times, like if you want to really fix a big problem in the Marine Corps, like in my opinion, 
toxic leadership get rid of it yeah you should have merit-based performance fucking where like you you fucking the best it's the guy that performs the best across the board gets the promotion not the dude that's fucking a, a piece of shit that's pme complete you know or been to the drill field like this whole b billet thing of like taking dudes out of the fucking out of their mos and making them go be drill instructors or recruiters to give them extra points to get promoted is fucking lunacy to me. It's absolute lunacy. Like one of the best things that I absolutely love the 75th Ranger regiment. I worked with those guys extensively. I was a fucking, I was attached to them, went to, you know, fucking deployed with them as a contractor. Like they, the thing I loved about their culture is like, if you came into the regiment as a fucking private, you could stay there your entire career. And so like, I have friends that were fucking squad leaders, then platoon sergeants, then first sergeants, then ops chiefs, then fucking sergeant majors. Like they stayed there in their entire career. And so what you had was an amazing continuity of leadership and experience that got to filter down between them and the fucking junior enlisted. Whereas like, we don't get that in the Marine Corps because of the well-rounded Marine bullshit where they fucking take you know, you become a fucking, you know, you're, you're now a senior sergeant. You've been a guide, you know, and now it's like time for you to get promoted to staff sergeant, but like, you don't have the points to do it. They're like, okay, cool. Go do your B billet to get promoted to staff sergeant. And they pull you out of your MOS to go be a fucking recruiter or go be a drill instructor and then get to get promoted to E6. And then you come back and like so much has changed and guys have gone on rotations and like deployments yeah, and like they're now lack you have a skill. Yeah. Like we had this fucking dipshit platoon sergeant that showed up and, and he was a fucking, he had no MOS credibility cause he'd been down at the drill field. And now you're going to bring a fucking cook or a fucking truck driver, you know, a motor T you're going to bring motor T or comms or fucking uh, a fucking cook and put them in charge of an in- infantry battalion as a sergeant major. They're going to be the command sergeant major as a cook. Get the fuck out of my face. You want a better one? Do you remember Lieutenant Beams? Yeah. He was the adjunct yeah. for the S1. Yeah, yeah. He was in the Marine Corps band from the moment that he enlisted oh, Jesus, God to the Christ. point where of being a lieutenant in charge of in an infantry battalion of all the personnel and administrative oh stuff. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. It's the biggest problem. I think that if you, one of the biggest things that could fix the Marine Corps is one, it needs to stop being such an enlisted, or I'm sorry, uh, officer driven organization. Like the fact that like officers are just gods and fucking get to make all the decisions. Like it's not like that, that the Ranger Regiment, it's the other thing that I loved about the Ranger Regiment. They called the officers summer help. They, I watched officers get told to shut the fuck up and sit down in fucking briefs before at the Ranger Regiment. Like, lieutenant, if you're a lieutenant over there, you keep your fucking mouth shut. Your fucking platoon sergeant runs the show. He makes all the fucking decisions. You're just there. If you're a fucking officer at the Ranger Regiment, you're there to fucking report to the command element and fucking control air. That's it. You go on a target, you're there to fucking control assets. That's it. Yeah. The fucking enlisted guys make the plan and execute the actions on the objective. And I'm like, God damn, why isn't the Marine Corps like that? Like, you get these stupid fuck officers that are 21, 22 years old fucking that want to get God complexes and come down and fucking try and tell sergeants and corporals that have been there fucking in combat 
two or three times like how to fucking do shit. And I'm like, bitch, you don't know anything. You just got out of fucking office, you know, infantry officer court. You just graduated from IOC. And you're going to show up here after I've done fucking two combat deployments and killed motherfuckers and tell me how to run a squad and how to execute actions on shut the fuck up and sit down. You don't have any right to fucking say shit. And then you've got your platoon sergeants that are fucking weak bitches because they're on skate time now. Because they're like, oh, you know how the culture is, bro. You're like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I fucking went to the drill. I like, was in the grunts, went to the drill field, got my E6, came back. Now I'm a platoon sergeant. I'm just going to sit back now and let the lieutenant fucking do things and just pass out MREs and fucking give advice to make sure, make sure the boots are bloused and make sure dudes are getting haircuts. Yeah. Not worth, not uh, worth the time. I don't have any MOS credibility because I haven't fucking ran a mortar or machine gun or fucking maneuvered a squad for fucking goddamn five years because I've been on the drill field. Like, no. get no, the get no, the fuck. No out experience of here. besides reading books. Right. Doing boards, marching recruits, conducting inspections, and you're gonna come back and fucking tell me how to maneuver a squad on a fucking insurgent fucking stronghold. Get the fuck out of my face. Well, how many years did they spend on the drill field? Is it four? Yeah, four I, think it's, billet? I think it's four where you like... And you, if you think about how much... Yeah, because you got to go through boot camp. Things again. have changed in that four-year time period. Yeah. And evolved. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine, like, get back from Fallujah, and then they put you on the drill field, and then you come back four years later? Yeah, and we'd switched AOs. We were in Afghanistan in, like, fucking and Helmand province. Like, uh, I yeah. Don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, imagine just how far out of the loop you would have been, like, our era, going through Iraq, doing what we did in Iraq. But think of it on the flip side. Like, yeah, like, we can look at those guys come back from the drill field and be like, this guy doesn't fucking know anything. But think about for them, going back and, and you know, there has to be that little voice in your head where you're like, oh, shit, I don't know anything, and I'm a staff sergeant now, and I'm in charge of people. Yeah. And I've got freaking PFCs and Lance Corporals that know way more than me about this now. That's huge. Yeah. Well, I that mean, would suck. Right. So then you're going to compensate and just be an asshole. You're going to point at your rank. You're going to point gonna, at that rock. Well, you know, I got this. And it's like, hmm. Yeah. You yeah. sure about that? Yeah. Sure about that? Yeah. Well, 100%. Those, that was the problems that I ran into. I was like, you don't know what the fuck. I was like, you just got here. I was like, I've been on two combat deployments. You just got here. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I butted heads with people bad, which is why I left and went to the regiment and took, o- took over the... Brian fucking- Bishop butt heads with Right, people. right, right. right. <laughs> fucking wild, right? Wild. This is news to me. Yeah, wild. So, yeah, I fucking hated Sachs for what he did because he fucked over a lot of people's careers, including mine. Like, because by the time I fucking choked out Spangenberg and been was like, bitch, where the fuck is my shit? Yeah. And he confessed and was like, oh, Sergeant Major, which I had to request mass for. By the time I requested mass, it was too late. All the no. boat all the boat spaces were filled because of the fucking bonus. Boat spaces were gone. And they wouldn't cross FY me to another fiscal year so I could get a boat, an O3 boat space. So then like, and then everything was fucking full. Like EOD was full. Counter Intel was full. Like I sat down and I'm like, okay, what MOSs are open? No, the only MOSs that were open that I could have gone to was like radio operator and fucking um, Osprey avionics technician. 
And I'm like, bitch, I'm a fucking goddamn, I'm a killer. I'm a, I'm a sergeant in the fucking infantry. I'm not going to become a fucking osprey. First of all, those things were like still in test phase and they were falling out of the sky like fucking goddamn hail and killing Marines left, right, and center. And I, I'm not going to go be a fucking compogue as a fucking, as a goddamn sergeant that's got fucking combat deployments. I mean, I just got done fucking leading the, a part, a 300. I, I was advising at the brigade level and fucking running a partner force in a fucking, in the most violent battle since fucking Way City. Like but, we, but, but how do you really feel about this? It's repressed, bro. I'm letting it out. I'm fucking It's repressed. It. It's been repressed. It's been repressed. It's been repressed. No, but Sax is a piece of shit. The other thing that fucking really bothered me about Sax is he fucking promised all the wounded Marines that got wounded and fucked up that they would never have to leave the battalion. And then what did he do before they went to redeploy to Haditha? He fucking sent all of the wounded Marines over to regiment. And then there was this cock-sucking drill instructor piece of shit, first sergeant over there named Archambault, that fucking tre- – oh, I see the look on your face right now. That dude was a fucking piece of shit. He – I remember one day I was – so I – anyway, I couldn't re-enlist. Even after I requested mast, I couldn't Did they re-enlist. send you over to the regiment too? Yeah, they sent me to regiment. I couldn't re-enlist, so I went to the pool, and I became a pool instructor. So I was at the pool. And I was just waiting to get out because I was like, fuck these cunts getting out. And uh, I was working at the pool and I was in, we were getting ready to run a CWSS course, like a combat water safety swimmer course at the, at the pool. So I was like, I was up, I was at the regimental building fucking making copies on the copying machine for all of the fucking, the training booklets that we were going to hand out to the fucking students. And uh, I'm standing there at the fucking copier and there was this kid fucking Yuloa from Kilo Company that, like, got shot seven times in a fucking house. I'm like, uh, and, like, they called for immediate assistance over the radio, and I broke off because I was really close to where they were at. I broke off from the fucking, uh, my partner force, and I fucking went down to where they got in that engagement, and I helped fucking medevac him. And I haven't seen him since. I wish I could run into him, but he's, he was a fucking great kid, fucking private. Or was a PFC? I think he was a PFC. He was that boot drop that we got just before we fucking left. And uh, great kid, but he got shot the fuck up really bad. Seven t- he got shot seven times trying to go into a house. And they were medevacking him, and I helped load him on the fucking one thir- M113. And then I escorted that fucking vehicle back to the train station where we had the medical cache. And then I helped unload him and fucking rush him into, like, emergency fucking surgery. And um, he, he fucking survived. He survived and he was like recovering, but he was like walking. He had to use a cane to walk. And, um, you know, he was all drugged up and fucking still shot the fuck up. Like his, like his shit was still healing. Like he still had stitches in his body from like the wounds and shit that were healing up. And, um, I don't know how many surgeries had to have. He had to have a few different surgeries, but Archambault, I'm sitting there making copies. He comes out in the hallway and he's like, where the fuck have you been, Uloa? You fucking goddamn 3-1 Marines are a bunch of fucking malingering pieces of shit. He said that to him. Damn. As this Marine's coming in, shot the... F- motherfucker got shot seven times, and he's got this fucking first sergeant, this pogue motherfucker, calling him a fucking malingerer. 
Yeah. And no, so that, then, was, that was a bad time. And so because regiment had so many guys, especially from three one. Yeah. They're over there that are all fucked up. And then that guy, because I got, when I got, went over to regiment, then I got uh, attached to go like coach people on the rifle range. Mm-hmm. Or no, I was still with 3-1. I was on the range and I had my boonie cover on and I had those fucking Oakley boots, mm-hmm. but I still had them bloused. Yeah. I'm walking from, remember where they had the fat system that was near the yep. PX? So I'm walking back from there just to go get lunch at the PX. I'm walking from that building almost to the PX, and I hear, oh, hell no, devil dog. And I'll turn around. Him and this other first sergeant come up to me, and they're like, you know, take my boonie cover off me. They're like, you're not allowed to wear this. I'm like, I'm coaching on the range right now, first sergeant, because you could wear a boonie cover out there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, these boots. He walks me from the PX all the way back to first sergeant ruff's office to like turn me in for like not being in regulations or anything like that like i'd never heard of anything where you couldn't wear the oakley boots anything like that and luckily that first sergeant ruff was not there one of the other sergeants was like just go home get your other pair of boots and come back i was like all right i was like you gotta be kidding me like you have nothing better to do with your day than to walk an adult Marine all the way back to his battalion. The spin to combat when to, you have to, it. To make sure that he's in regulations. And it's like, yeah, really? Like, this is really, this is what we're doing right <laughs> this now. This is what we're doing right now. This yeah. is taxpayer dollars at its best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was kind of the same cl- fucking cunt ass cloth that Sachs was cut from, too. All about regulations and fucking shaves and. Blouse boots and bullshit. So well, enough about those shitheads. What else should we talk about? We've been talking about those two pieces of shit. Yeah, I just want to finish my story about <laughs> fucking. I just want to finish my story. So arch, arch, like, and this is going to be a really long story. <laughs> so I look over at Kato and he's like, "Yep, <laughs> this is a good rant." So was it okay? Good. So anyway, the uh, uh, yeah. So fucking sacks. That guy. I just wouldn't piss on him if he's on fire. That guy did so much damage and was such a liar. He d- he destroyed hey, morale. Let's wrap this up. Next subject. Fucking hate that dude. <laughs> we've, we've had like 30 minutes. If I that see up. that motherfucker, I'm going to fucking punch him right in his fucking face. Anyway. Yes, let's digress. Okay. So then, you got out. What did you do? Uh, Tell me about what you did and how. How did you get from that moment where you were getting fucking lifed out about your boots oh, and your booty shit. cover too? Uh, how did you how did you get how did you get to right here right now? I got out of the Marine Corps, got on to Ada County Sheriff's Office to be patrol, which is unheard of because normally you have to go to the jail mm-hmm. and work in the jail, and then you yeah. get to go to patrol. But I got hired right on to patrol, probably because of being in the Marine Corps and mm-hmm. being the combat vet. Uh, I got about. All the way through the police academy, and then it's like two or three weeks away from graduation, I got in trouble <laughs> at the police academy, which was the dumbest thing ever. Where what, What'd you get in trouble for? We were on the shooting range, like, you know, shooting 45s, like, heavy-ass round where you can, like, see the trash can fly through the air right, yeah. to hit the target, yeah. and we shot at, like, seven yards, moved back to, like, 15, 
you know, 25, all that. And there was one gal that was in the police academy, and at seven yards, it looked like she was firing a shotgun. Like, mm-hmm. no group, just all over the target. And we got back to the 25-yard line. I didn't make any comment about her being a woman, anything like that. Just purely, I was like, I leaned over to one of the other guys on the 25-yard line. I was like, hey, I was like, 25-yard line, I'm like, Babcock's going to be lucky to hit the target. And we both laughed about it. She overheard us, went and told one of the uh, like cadre for the police academy, I get written up for a demerit slip, which is like a big no-no. So I call my lieutenant at the department. It's like, hey, this is the situation. This is what went down. And uh, he's like, okay, you know, well, like we'll handle this. Two days later, he comes out and asks me to resign my commission as a deputy sheriff for Ada County. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I had like five or six of the uh, cadre like go to bat for me, like, you know, what are you doing? So then a few months later comes out that there was another uh, cadre for the jail portion of the police academy because they have like jailers go through the academy and you have patrol. She confused me with some other guy that was in the academy that got kicked out and thought that guy was me. Because one time during the academy, the lieutenant came out and was like, hey, you really need to keep your mouth shut around here, this and that. I'm like, okay, cool. have no idea that this lady confuses me with this other guy that got kicked out and is spouting off about me like, oh, you know, Hill's this, Hill's that, and this and that. And then I find this out like a month and a half after I resigned my commission. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. So like, so they got you confused with another guy. Yeah, another guy that was like a piece of shit. 100%. Because, like, dude, PT was good, shooting was good, driving skills, past law week with a 98%, like, all this, like, just flying colors. Yeah, so doing then, what Marines do, kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. So then, let's see, after that, I went and worked at, like, Boise State University in their ROTC department. And then I was like, no, I, I need to not, not be part of this. <laughs> yeah, I need to this not. This is horrible. Not be there. And then I just went and worked at a... Uh, for the uh, NMCI contract mm-hmm. that handled all the Navy Marine Corps' intranet, the the interwebs, as you would. And then uh was just working there. I'm like, this freaking sucks. This is a fucking call center job. I'm built for way more. And then, uh, yeah, ended up uh, finding barbering and been doing it now for 17 years. And, yeah. There's a lot more in between there, but well, why are you why are you shortcutting? Like, you, okay, so then, yeah, let's talk. Like, you got got went through a fucking nasty divorce. Oh yeah. Well, all right. So we'll back up. <clears throat> so went to barber college, started barbering. Uh, was barbering for about a year, and then I had been at that call center job for like two years, and then barbered for a year, and then finally, I forgot that I had applied for Blackwater. And then they, like, called me up out of the blue, and they were like, hey, uh, your security clearance has gone through, and we want to bring you on. So I got flown down to Moyoc to go through the whole vetting process, same stuff you went through, mm-hmm. where if you don't pass, they just bring a plane ticket out to you, and they're like, hey, thanks for showing up. Yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah. So did that, passed that, uh, and it, it actually came at a really good time, because it was in 2008, 2007, 2000, or 2008. Right when the economy was just taking an absolute dump. Huge shit, yeah. Huge shit. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, go do that. So I went and had breakfast with the guys at the barbershop that morning. And one of the barbers that I shared a chair with, he needed to come back into the shop full time. 
So I was essentially getting let go at that morning at breakfast. I was like, well, this works out well because I'm going to go work for Blackwater. So went work for Blackwater, took all my barbering stuff with me over there, cut hair for those guys over there while doing that work just to stay up on top of my trade. Came back from that, uh, was seriously dealing with a lot of stuff after coming back from Blackwater, and then got my DUI, my Mm -hmm. one Dewey without a motorcycle helmet on at 40 miles an hour, crashing. Lucky to be alive. I've I've had some adventures on bikes as well. Yeah, and then, uh, let's see. So then, you know, came back, was barbering, dealing with a lot of, you know, kind of dealing with all the stuff from Fallujah and from being with Blackwater that I just had never really dealt with. What was, what was the problem? Like, what was, what were you finding, like, was the issue? Um, I think a huge thing, and I think a lot of other guys can relate, is, like, there's a bit of an identity crisis. Yeah. Of where it's like, you no longer have the uniform on, so it's like, you know, you were a Marine, yes, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. But then there's also the aspect of, you know, you're not, you're not a part of the club anymore. Yeah. And then finishing up with Blackwater, I definitely wasn't a part of the club anymore. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, I'm not in that, you know, warrior realm of things. And now I'm just basic civilian where it's like your ribbons don't mean shit. Anything you did on deployments doesn't mean shit. And then it just went through a really like dark night of the soul there where like in 2013, like I, you know, I tried to go to college, but was failing out. I didn't have a job. Like, I think I maybe had like 150 bucks in my checking account and a wife and a kid to take care of. I just felt like an absolute piece of shit. So I took a climbing rope and threw it over the rafters in my garage and stood on a crate with a noose around my neck, ready to hang myself and decided that like in that moment, I was like, okay, like, like absolutely ready to do it. Like, I mean, I kissed my wife and my kid on the couch while they were watching TV and went out to the garage and just stood there and just really thought deeply about it. And the one thing that made me not do it was thinking about how my daughter would be really sad when I left for deployments, but really happy when I came home. And if I did this, then it was like I never came home at all, Right. you know, and just to put something really heavy on a kid like that. And then just took it off my neck and just started thinking really hard, like, okay, like, I need to unfuck the situation because the VA wasn't helping. They just want to give you a bunch of drugs and then, yeah, or, you know, you go to a support group and, you know, the support groups aren't really support groups. It's just a bunch of dudes that want to bitch and complain and talk about how cool they used to be, but they're, you know, Joe Schmo now. And then uh, just went on a really, you know, long path of, uh, yoga and meditation and just really trying to figure out how to unfuck myself. And then did that. Um, then after that, I uh, decided to go back to college, got my bachelor's degree and then didn't want to go back to barbering, but I went back to barbering and now I'm sitting here in my dream barber shop, coming up with my 17th year of being a barber. And yeah, it's been a long journey. Never thought I'd be where I'm at right now. Yeah, but you skipped the catalyst for the barber shop, which was you reapplied for law enforcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So So, you've got this. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. Okay. So graduated from college, uh, applied to be a cop again. So I was like, okay, like, let's do this. Uh, Pass the, you know, written test and flying colors. Get called back for the oral board. 
smoke the freaking oral board. Like I talked to a few of the SWAT guys. I was like, hey, what happens on oral boards? So they kind of like gave me advice and they're like, hey, one thing, like really study the department's history and like, you know, like know tons about it. So the oral board, you know, they asked me like, so what what do you know about Boise Police Department? I'm like, oh, well, you know, just rattle off like all their history and this and that. So then they go into like scenario-based questions. And I knew when they asked you a scenario, they're trying to see if, you know, like how you're going to answer it. And if they don't like your answer, then they ask you questions to try to like see see if you're going to stick to your guns or if you're going to like shift around and this and that. Every single scenario-based question that they asked me and I answered it, they never asked another question. They just moved to the next one. Hmm. So then at the very end, you leave the room and you go sit in another room and the hiring captain comes in and you know, tells you like you're either, you know, good to go or like, hey, thanks for coming out. We're not interested. He freaking puts his hand out, he's like, Outstanding job. He's like, I'm personally guaranteeing you a position on the department. So I'm like, Fuck yeah, I'm gonna be a cop. Like this is gonna be outstanding. Yeah. Go do and then he's like, As long as everything goes smoothly from this point forward, you know, we're good to go. And then go into the uh polygraph test. And I've never not passed a polygraph test ever in my entire life. Go do the polygraph test. Don't hear anything for a week. Two weeks go by. Making calls, not getting calls back. Go down to their HR. I'm like, hey, what's going on with this? And they're like, oh, you didn't pass the polygraph test. It came back inconclusive. And I'm like, of course it came back inconclusive. You have me hooked to these little electrodes. You tell me to stare at a, at a thing and just you say yes or no. Like I'm sitting here like in a meditative type situation it's like yeah of course it's going to come inconclusive like i'm not stressed out about any of these questions so they're like well you know you didn't pass and this and that but you know we'd really like you to reapply so then fast forward a month and a half later well buddy of mine his brother is now a lieutenant on the police department he told him he's like hey ask trevor if his polygraph examiner was a woman and i told my brother i was like yeah and he's like well he wanted me to tell you that that lady polygraph examiner is on administrative leave and under investigation for intentionally failing people on the polygraph test. And you were in the group that she was intentionally failing people. And it was purely because she wanted to get more help to get more women on the department. But how she got caught was that she failed two Idaho state patrol lateral transfers coming from ISP over to Boise city. And both these guys were like, like a uh, trooper of the year, like outstanding yeah, records and this yeah. and that, just absolute studs. And she failed them. And that's what like threw the red flag up. And I was like, are you serious? So every single time I've ever tried to like go the direction of being a cop, something outside of like my own realm has negatively affect that. Yeah. Nowadays because of defund the police, there's fucking, they're but like- dude, after <laughs> like, and I was so pissed with that. And I'm like, Oh God damn it. And then, you know, Robin, my wife, she uh, she was like, go back to barbering. She's like, you love barbering. I was like, I have a college degree. I want to be a barber. Like as if my bachelor's degree all of a sudden just opens up this whole new realm of, you know, jobs and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I was like, okay, I'll give it six months. So I went back to cutting hair full time for, or for five months. And then we found this location. And uh, lo and behold, uh, my buddy who uh, owns the bars next door, he happened to buy it, called him up, was like, hey, you have uh, that building. What are you going to do with these? He's like, well, I'm going to build a whiskey bar. I'm like, what are you going to do with the location next door? He's like, nothing yet. I was like, let me build a barbershop there. He's like, all right, let's do it. So three years 
uh, from the that conversation. Now we've got the barbershop here, and yeah, I remember when you called me on the phone and you like were telling me what you were gonna do, and you're like showing me all of the cool stuff. And then I think I can't remember. I came through here, and we came down here when this place was like not built out. Oh yeah, no, it was just... it was like it was demoed. Like the original flooring and brick and roof was still on it, but nothing else was in. Nothing else was no, in it. And no, we no. walked through the bar side, and you're like, this is going to be the bar. And then we walked over here, and you're like, this is going to be the barber shop. And then you, you were sending me all the stuff. Like You're like, oh, what do you think of this aesthetic and that aesthetic? And I like this, and I like this. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, man, looks really good. And then you did it. You got it fucking. You wrote up the business plan and got it funded and fucking put everything together exactly how you said you were going to. That and turned out really cool. It turned out great. It turned out awesome. And then here you are, how many years later? Three years for this shop. And you were booked out constantly by appointment only. By appointment only. And so you're crushing. So talk about the entrepreneurial journey of that. Like what would you tell a veteran that wants to start a business right now? Find somebody that already built it in, or something similar to it. Or just someone that has built a business and ask them to mentor you. Okay. Because, I mean, you have the internet. There's books. You can read. I mean, you know, when I was in college, I took all sorts of classes on entrepreneurship. I mean, you and I both went to UCLA, Anderson School of Business Management for the EBV. Yep. That entrepreneur boot camp. Great great program. Um, Which, I mean, that that was a great program. Um, Talk about get your freaking shit kicked in by... UCLA professors that shit all over your business ideas. They definitely yeah. grow uh, some thick skin. Real quick. Because, yeah. like, they make Donald Trump on The Apprentice look like a freaking goddamn saint. Yes, that's true. Like, these guys are just pure they animals. Were sa- yeah, they were savages. Yeah. yeah, they're just absolute dicks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I would say the main thing is, is I mean, you know, read some books. I mean, there's a book called... Uh, uh, what is it? Lean startup or something like that. Mm-hmm. Chris, my other barber in here, I'd never heard of the book and he was talking about it. So I bought it and he told me, he's like, he's like, you're going to read through it. He's all, but you probably already know quite a bit of it. Cause I mean, you know, when I built this place, I only went $900 over budget, which I guess is unheard of. Typically people go like thousands of dollars over. Yeah. Budget. Usually like they tell you to plan 30% over <clears throat> what you cure. Yeah. But I mean, with. you know, I went to my father-in-law and, you know, he's got an MBA and he, you know, started a company from scratch with some other guys and extremely successful. And I just went to him and I was like, hey, you know, I, here's my business idea. I'm like, I I know what to do. I just don't know the order in which to do it. Can you just give me orders? That's what he did. You know, the first thing he told me is like, do a market analysis. So like I, you know, brought my laptop up to the Frontier Club and, you know, five or six pints later. Over like four or five hours, like cranked out the marketing plan, finished it, took him over to his house, had him look at it, and he's like, all right, this looks good. He's like, now do this. And he'd give me another task, and I'd bring it back. Get another task and bring it back. And then finally he was like, okay, do the budget. He's like, build the entire barbershop out like you have like all the money in the world, and then scale back from there. He's all, but you have to take into consideration like what are the top five most important things of your business. And for me, it was the barber stations, the chairs, the waiting area, the sound system, and the uh, logo and branding design. So that's where all my money went to. 
you know, and just really looking at like, okay, you know, for really good graphic design, for just like basic branding, I went through two or three, or I went through two graphic designers. They didn't quite nail it. And then I found, was cruising Pinterest at like three o'clock in the morning, randomly came across this like type font that I liked, clicked on it. And then lo and behold, this graphic designer out of Seattle named uh, James LaFuentes, um, he, uh, you know, had his website out and I like really saw his design. I was like, okay, this guy is a graphic designer that kind of matches like the vibe that I'm going for. But I realized that like to get really good graphic design work, you can't ever spend less than a thousand bucks, hands down. And if you can spend just a thousand bucks and still get it like good, that is awesome because you will probably spend even more money to get really good graphic design and branding work. Uh, but he nailed it out of the uh, park and then like, with getting the couch, I mean, I got that for two grand during COVID. That's like a seven, eight thousand dollar couch. It's gorgeous. But they weren't making any sales, so I was like, "Hey, I have a two thousand dollar budget for a couch. Can I, can I get this couch for two grand?" And the lady was like, "Yeah, let me check." She's like, "Will you pay for it right now?" I was like, "Yeah." And then it took like six months to get. But you know, just kind of piecing everything together. I mean, as long as you can find somebody that's willing to mentor you, you know, and believes in your idea. Then, I mean, I would say that's the the best way, especially if you don't have a college degree, you haven't gone through anything. I mean, the Internet's a huge resource, but having somebody that's already done it and been very successful and just mentor you through it, that's that's massive. Yeah. So what would you say your biggest? So then three years later, is there anything you would have done differently? Looking back on it. Uh, I think I would have gone into a bigger space so I could expand and do a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this small space, I think, creates a different kind of vibe and uh, kind of camaraderie. It's right Amongst the clientele. It's almost because yeah. I wanted it to kind of have that feel like you're, you know, I mean, I spend more time here than I do my own house. Yeah. So it's like, you know, kind of have that like man room, man cave vibe. Yeah. To it, to where it's like, you know, you're not too far away from the barbers. So it's, you know, when where you're sitting at to where the chairs are at and how far the chairs are spaced apart and this and that. That, like, when people do come in and hang out, you know, have drinks and, you know, getting their haircuts, that it's, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie that gets cultivated. Yeah, I think you've captured that for sure. And I love the way you've decorated the place. It's fucking killer. And I'm going to dime him out. Because I don't give a fuck. But old Mr. Mike Jones. Mr. Grantham is a uh, client of yours, isn't he? Periodically. Yeah. When he's not growing his hair out long. Yeah, when he's not being a fucking filthy hippie. Yeah. Fucking shout out to Mike Jones. Uh, Well, what do you think, man? Do you want to wrap up or do you feel good about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's been it's been a long it's been I I mean, you you were you've been great to host cuz it is late at night. What time is it, Kato? It's 10:30. <laughs> and last night was 4th of July, so you fucking so went had to your, bed at 1. You, you went to and bed I was at, up at 6:30. Yeah, yeah, you were up at 6:30, so rally baby. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want? You're the you're the one interviewing. Yeah. But no, I think I think that people should come down here and see you. I think that if you live in the Boise area, come on out to Meridian. Fucking come to a kick-ass fucking barbershop. The aesthetic's great. The vibe's great. The haircuts are definitely top shelf. I so, try. Yeah. Gotta have that attention to detail. Yeah. I think you've done a phenomenal job. So what do you think's next for you, man? 
Where do you go from here? Oh, that's the that's the hard part of trying to figure out like what what the next what's the next shift. Because one of those things like good barbers are really hard to find, um, and the barber colleges are not exactly producing really good students fresh out. Um, I think mainly, especially here in this area, just due to their locations where there's not a lot of foot traffic or people going and getting haircuts from students so that they get the reps in. And then, you know, when I've got this shop and the reputation that I built for it and just the, you know, the quality that comes out of here, you know, needing to have people be at a certain level in order to come in here. I mean, like fresh out of school, like you can do like a good haircut and it's just a, you know, coaching someone on how to like get a little bit more refined in their technique and just paying more attention to details. I could totally work with something like that, but yeah, there's, there's quite a few haircuts that I've had barbers do for me where I'm like, yeah, I need to just go cut hair somewhere else, you know, and then go from there or even come in like shadow and like, you know, let me coach them on something. But ideally, I would love to turn this into a gentleman's social club because I feel like, you know, when you look back in the old days, like the lions and the elks and the, you know, Masonic lodges and this and that where men got together and they got to network and they got to, you know, hang out and just interact with each other. I think there's a big need for that right now. Yeah, I think that's a lot. That's and I lost. think I think the barbershop still has the elements of it. But I think if you can make something a little bit more exclusive and kind of vet, you know, the quality of the men that are a part of the group. So then that way, you know, it's kind of one of those things, like if you were to create a, you know, a social club, having, you know, selecting people because of like what they bring to the, the group, you know, iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like, what do you bring to the group of men to like, you know, help everybody else be better as well? You know, cause we can help you, you can help us and just all work together and something like that. So you're looking at like maybe expanding out to something bigger that encompasses more of a social club dynamic. Correct. For men. Yeah. Yeah. And you just m maybe get get good haircuts with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Get to network. Mm-hmm. Maybe shoot some skeet. Yeah. Cato's idea of glow-in-the-dark skeet at nighttime. I mean, it's a good idea. It's, it's a fucking great idea. Fantastic idea. Drink some whiskey. Go shoot glow-in-the-dark skeet. Yeah. Maybe hit some golf balls. Get a great haircut. Hey, there we go. I like it. I got to figure out how to get that golf element into it. Yeah. That's that's a that's a must. Yeah. I feel like that. Those are those are some gentlemanly activities. You got to have the savage side. You got to have the gentleman side. Yeah. That's why I think like hitting the golf balls on one side and shooting skeet on the other side. It's a good. It's a good mix. What if the driving range where you hit golf balls and there's other guys with guns shooting? Shooting the ball? them, boom, dude. We're taking top top golf to a whole new level. Fucking, we just we just came up with something, right there. I love it. <laughs> Fucking love it. All right, man. What do you want to close with? Got dad advice? Oh, dad advice. Do I have dad advice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got. Tons. You're a dad, so you should have some dad advice. I've never raised boys. I just have girls. I'm a girl dad. Okay. Well, well, you got advice for girl dads? Be soft. And? And stern. <laughs> Dude, and? it's a freaking tough. 
With little girls? Yeah. Dude, you can't, like, yell at them. Mm-mm. No. Boys. Yeah, toughen them up a little bit. Yeah. No, man. Girls make you soft. Yeah. But in a good way. Yeah. You learn a lot more patience. So. Yeah. That's that's as deep as it's going to get right there. What? Shit, I don't know, man. <laughs> Put me on the spot for yeah. dad advice. I dad don't advice. know. I'll, you just got to level on a man and set the example of like the type of man that you want them to see as what is like the bar. Yeah. And they will, yeah, they will, they will definitely gravitate towards that. That's why. Don't be a dick. Yeah. That's why you run into girls that have daddy issues all the time because they had shitty dads, shitty examples. So, yeah, I think that's sage. Great advice. Yeah. Don't be a shitty dad. Set the example. Oh, 100%. Like you, you have to, you know, open doors for them. Um, you know, do little dad daughter dates, but also go and teach them how to do cool shit, shoot guns, change tires. Don't raise fucking princesses. Yeah, no. Raise girls that are capable. Yeah. Raise a girl that's capable of completely taking her care of herself so that she is with the man that she wants to be with, not that she has to be with him. Yeah. Boom. That's the advice. Bam. There you go. Good job. All right, where can people find you on social? Uh, at Barclay and Hill on the IG. Anywhere else? Uh, Facebook, Barclay and Hill. That's pretty much it. Website? I don't have a BarclayandHill.com. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right, I don't you. have a big social media imprint. I'm too busy. For... And what's the what's advice for potential new clients? Uh, book through the website at... Uh, com, and book sooner than later because we fill up very fast. Extremely fast. Extremely fast. But we do have a waiting list. Because you're fucking rad. I'll let you say it. I won't ever say it. Yeah. Because he's fucking we're, rad. We're, we're good. Because he's rad. We're good at what we do. Very good at what he does. So, with that, I think we'll wrap up and get out of here. Wherever you're out on the globe, thanks for joining us. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch you on the next episode of the Lone Element Podcast. Bam. Boom. Boom. Peace.